the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. ABN Pinellas Park. Your local church misses you. If you haven't gone back yet, why not take some time this weekend to reconnect? Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. We want to ask ourselves, why? Why did they do this? Why would they be so sadistic? What were their motives for such cruel and inhumane and insensitive treatment of the Son of God? I see three reasons why they treated Jesus this way and why they rejected Jesus. And each one of these reasons has a modern parallel today. The beating Jesus received before his crucifixion was the ultimate in human cruelty. The crucifixion itself was probably the most painful means of execution ever invented. It's hard to accept, but people today are capable of being just as inhumane. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this series of lessons from Chapter 15 of the Gospel of Mark. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have been thinking about some of the reasons why people reject the Lord Jesus Christ. In the past few days, we have examined the Jewish leaders who arrested Jesus and ordered his execution. The governor, Pilate, who, even though he knew Jesus was innocent, went along with the Jews. And we had just finished dealing, in our last class, with why the crowd that had hailed Jesus upon his arrival in Jerusalem turned on him with such sudden hatred. The fourth group of people in the scene Mark described were the Roman soldiers. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 15, and let's begin the class. Here's Pastor Steve. Recently, I started reading a series of books dealing with Adolf Hitler and the Nazis' takeover, first in Germany, then in Austria, then Czechoslovakia. And there are other places, but I haven't read all those books yet. And everywhere the Nazis went, there was inhumane treatment unbelievable cruelty and complete callousness towards the feelings of their fellow human beings. And the thoughts of many people back then and the thoughts still of many people today have been how how could man be so cruel? How could one human being treat another human being with such sadistic cruelty? But I want to say that the behavior of Nazi Germany should not surprise anybody. Never should it surprise anybody because the Bible teaches that man's nature is inherently evil and that he is capable of the most degrading of atrocities. And I suppose that the clearest illustration of that and the clearest demonstration of man's wickedness isn't the Nazi soldiers of the 1930s and the 1940s, but rather the Roman soldiers of the first century who mocked and assaulted Jesus Christ. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 15 because Mark, like the other gospel writers, tell us and give us the biblical, the 
inspired accounts of how Jesus was treated. And I'm just going to break in at verse 16. Mark chapter 15. And the soldiers took him away into the palace, and Mark writes, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up in purple, and after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to acclaim, acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they kept beating his head with a reed, and spitting at him, and kneeling and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, and put his garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. These verses fit into a, a larger uh, passage, and it can really concludes a passage of Scripture that tells us not only of the rejection of Christ by four different groups of people, the religious leaders, Pontius Pilate, the crowd of people, and now the Roman soldiers, but it also tells us why they rejected Jesus. You can see reasons for their rejection. I want to remind you that Mark is writing, primarily writing his gospel account with the persecuted believers at Rome in mind. In a secondary sense, he's writing to all, but in a primary sense, Mark has a specific group of, of people who he's, he's writing to, and he's adding things that he feels would be most relevant for them. The believers at Rome were, were enduring persecution, and Mark is writing to them, and his purpose in revealing how each group responded to Christ and the reasons for their rejection was to encourage these Roman Christians as they endured persecution for the same reasons. And we do also. The persecution that we have today may not always be in the form of physical violence, but there's persecution nonetheless. And it's for some of these exact same reasons. This morning, we're going to take a look at why the Roman soldiers rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and why they treated him so disgracefully. Let's break in at verse 16 and begin to understand this portion of Scripture. It's a very hard portion of Scripture to look at. It's, a, it's an emotionally jarring portion of Scripture. It's not one that is easy to study, easy to teach, and easy to receive, but it is the truth, and we need to look at it and ask ourselves, why? Why did they treat him like this? Crucifixion was bad enough. Why did they mock him? Why were they so sadistic? in their treatment of Jesus Christ. In learning that, we will learn why people reject Jesus today. Mark says, And the soldiers took him away into the palace, and then he adds, for our understanding, that is the praetorium. This isn't the first time these Roman soldiers laid their hands on Jesus. No, it happened before. John tells us in his gospel account that they were involved in the arrest of Christ. There were the chief priests there. There was the temple police who would be the, the Jewish police. But there are also Roman soldiers. John 18 tells us that. And John also tells us about another incident that no other gospel writer includes. Now, I touched on this, but I want you to turn to John 19. And I want you to see the whole picture of, of how cruel these Roman soldiers were to our Lord. John 19, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to explain to you what, what was taking place and, and put, the, put this together with Mark's gospel account. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and, they, and to give him blows in the face. And Pilate came out again and said to them, 
Behold, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus therefore came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. This was a last-ditch effort on Pilate's part to evoke the sympathy of the, the Jewish crowd that day. The crowd had been calling for Barabbas to be released, and they were calling for Jesus to be crucified, and Pilate is getting desperate, and he doesn't want to crucify Jesus, so he decides that what he'll do is he'll have Christ scourged. He'll have him beaten with a whip, and he'll be so bloodied and such a horrible-looking mess that when the people see Christ, they'll say, enough, Enough. You don't have to crucify him. We've seen enough. He's, he's been beaten enough, and therefore uh, it's all right. Release him to us, and, and everything is fine. But that didn't happen. What happened was this. Jesus was scourged by the Roman soldiers. In just a moment, I'm going to explain to you what scourging was really like. But then, after the soldiers scourged Christ, they didn't just bring him out to the crowd. The praetorium was the palace guard was really uh, the headquarters of the governor, probably a place uh, called Fort Antonio, for those of you who have studied about Jerusalem. And so Jesus was inside being scourged. The crowd is, is outside. But before the soldiers bring Christ out, after they scourge him, they mock him and they beat him with their fists and they made a joke out of Jesus. And then he was brought out. And Pilate said to the crowd, behold the man. What he is saying, in essence, is this. Look at this poor, pitiful creature. Behold him. Could you even call him a man? Look at this man, if you can call him that. Why don't you just have some mercy and pity on him and let me release him? Why kill such a pathetic man? Behold, the man. But the people, being stirred up by the chief priests, yelled for Christ to be crucified, and they insisted on that. And so Mark chapter 15, as you turn back to Mark 15, verse 15 says this, And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them, and after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. So Pilate turned Christ over to his own soldiers to carry out his orders to crucify the one who claimed to be the king of the Jews. Now, remember, I want you to see that there were actually two mockings of Christ by the Roman soldiers. Just a few minutes prior to this, these soldiers had made a mockery of Jesus. And the only thing that stopped them from continuing is that Pilate said, bring him out. So they scourged him, beat him, mocked him, put a, a robe on him. Then they took it off of him, stopped their mockery, and Pilate sent Christ out and said, behold the man, the people said, we still want him crucified and release Barabbas to us. And then Pilate, then, having lost the battle, turns Jesus back over to his Roman soldiers and says, crucify him. But before they crucify him, they scourging, not the scourging, the mockery and the beating continue again. So there's really two phases of, of uh, Christ's mockery and treatment by the Roman soldiers. The only thing that stopped them the first time was that Pilate said, bring him out. But now they just continued. So there's two stages. Mark tells us about the second stage, which is followed by the crucifixion. And now let's look at all of verse 16 as you see the context. And the soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. Now, after the crowd rejected Christ, the Lord was brought back into the governor's headquarters. The term praetorium is a Latin word that referred to the governor's headquarters while he was in Jerusalem. And it was probably at 
Fort Antonio, as I told you a moment ago. Now, this is important. The governor, did, uh, the governor of Judea did not usually, um, was not usually in Jerusalem. That was not where he lived. Normally, he lived in a city called Caesarea. In fact, when we went to Israel, we saw Caesarea. It's on the Mediterranean. And uh, there's a, a, an amphitheater there, an outdoor theater. And uh, there's also even a little, little monument that archaeologists have found that speak of, of Pontius Pilate. But he was in Jerusalem that day for the Passover feast, and probably for that week. He was in Jerusalem for the Passover feast to make sure that there were no riots. You remember that Passover speaks of, of Jewish independence from Egypt. And so there were always stirrings up of, of a feeling of independence, and that ran high at that time of the year. And Pilate was there with the Roman soldiers to make sure that there was no trouble. And that's significant because this means that the governor's soldiers who he brought with him, the ones who were mocking Christ, were also not from Jerusalem. Therefore, they were not familiar with Jesus. They didn't know much about him, if anything. They probably had never even heard of of Jesus Christ until they were sent to arrest him. And that becomes significant because you're going to see in a little while that there's no personal animosity that they had towards Christ. They, They did what they did to him, but not because they knew him, and not because they had personal feelings in this. To them, Jesus was just another prisoner, just another condemned man to die. And it's in this context that they decide to abuse him and make sport of him. Now understand that. They didn't know him. They don't have any real. These are not Jewish Roman soldiers. Uh, The Jews were exempt from the Roman military. And so... Uh, they decide before they'll kill him, they'll make sport of him. And uh, they invite, first they, they invite the whole cohort around them. Now normally a Roman cohort was, uh, was about 600 soldiers. I doubt if there were 600 soldiers who crowded around. Uh, maybe a few hundred, maybe 200 were there. But in any case, you've got a lot of men who have now surrounded Christ and the soldiers who are responsible to first scourge and then beating him, are going to show everybody what fun this is. Verse 17. And they dressed him up in purple. The first thing they did to Jesus was put a purple robe on him. Now, you may not realize this, but this, was, this would be terribly painful, horribly, excruciatingly painful for Jesus because he had just been scourged, just been scourged. To have a robe placed on a scourged body was excruciating. Now, I didn't share with you the other week a whole lot about scourging, but I'm going to right now. In fact, I'm going to read from a medical doctor, a Dr. C. Truman Davis, who wrote about the scourging and specifically the scourging of Jesus. I'm going to just read a portion to you. Preparations for the scourging are carried out. The prisoner is stripped of his clothing and his hands tied to a post above his head. The Roman legionnaire steps forward with a flagrum in his hand. This is a short whip consisting of several heavy leather thongs with two small balls of lead attached near the ends of each. The heavy whip is brought down with full force again and again across Jesus' shoulders, back, and legs. At first, the heavy thongs cut through the skin only. Then, as the blows continue, they cut deeper into the tissues, producing first an oozing of blood from the capillaries and veins of the skin, and finally spurting arterial bleeding from the vessels in the underlying muscles. 
The small balls of lead first produce large, deep bruises, which are broken up by subsequent blows. Finally, the skin of the back is hanging in long ribbons, and the entire area is is an unrecognizable mass of torn, bleeding tissue. When it is determined by the centurion that the prisoner is near death, the beating is finally stopped. Let me read on a little bit, and then I'll go back and explain it. The half-fainting Jesus is then untied and allowed to slump to the stone pavement, wet with his own blood. The Roman soldiers see a great joke in this provincial Jew claiming to be a king. They throw a robe across his shoulders and place a stick in his hand for a scepter. A small bundle of flexible branches covered with long thorns is pressed into his scalp. Again, there is copious bleeding, the scalp being one of the most vascular areas of the body. After mocking him and striking him across the face, the soldiers take the stick from his hand and strike him across the head, driving the thorns deeper into his scalp. Finally, they tire of their sadistic sport, and the robe is torn from his back. This had already become adherent to the clots of blood and serum in the wounds, and its removal, just as in the careless removal of surgical bandage, causes excruciating pain. Almost as though he were again being whipped and the wounds again begin to bleed. The heavy beam of the cross is then tied across his shoulders and the procession of the condemned Christ, two thieves, and the execution detail begins its slow journey. Now you can see by that what a horrible, horrible experience that, uh, that scourging was. Now the Jewish people had beat him before. The Jewish leaders had beat him before. And they had whipped him, but uh, the Jews did not whip more than 39 times. But not the Romans. When, when someone would be near death, they would stop. In fact, many, many a man did die just from the scourging alone. So you have to understand that, that just to take a purple robe and put it upon Christ was a horrible experience. It was on this beaten, bleeding body that that robe was placed, probably a faded, discarded uh, scarlet cloak worn by a Roman soldier, a heavy thing. Next, verse 17 says, and after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on him. The next thing they did is they made a crown out of thorny twigs and pressed it down on on Christ's head, which obviously would cut deep into his scalp. As the blood dripped from his face and neck, Matthew tells us that they put a reed in his right hand. Mark doesn't tell us that, but Matthew does. Now, what were these soldiers doing? A reed, which would be a power of authority, a scepter, a power of authority and, and power, crown of thorns, one like Caesar would wear, a, ro- a royal robe. What are they doing? Jesus said that he was the king, the king of the Jews. And so they're mocking him. They're mocking him as a king. And they're pretending to, play, to pay homage to him as a, as a king. It's a mock coronation of Jesus as king of the Jews. They're, they're just mocking him. Verse 18 and 19 says, And they began to acclaim him, Hail, king of the Jews. See, that's what they're doing. And they kept beating his head with a reed and spitting at him and kneeling and bowing before him. For those of us who love Jesus Christ, this is a very, very difficult portion of scripture to, to deal with. This is mockery as they greeted, they they would normally greet Caesar with the same words, hail Caesar. So now they're saying, hail, king of the Jews, hail. Each soldier ridiculed Jesus by coming up to him. And here's the picture. They would come up to him, they would fall on their knees and they would say, hail, king of the Jews. But before they vacated their position and one by one they would go by him. I don't know how many, maybe a few hundred, I don't know. They would say, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they would get up 
from their knees and they would take that stick from Christ's hand and they would start beating him on the the face and the the hand. And And the Greek language says they continued to do this. And then they, before they left him, they would look him in the face and they would spit in his face. Spitting then was considered as insulting as it is today. There's nothing worse than being spit in the face. And they were just beating him, and it's a mockery, as if to say, your kingship is a joke. And they would not only hit him in the face, remember he had a crown of thorns on his head that would go deeper and deeper into his scalp. And when this cruel and and inhumane uh, coronation was over, they just had made sport of Jesus. It was entertainment for them. And so Mark says, and after they had mocked him, they, they took the purple, it means purple robe, off him and put his garments on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Now this is how the Roman soldiers treated Christ and their rejection of him. But the reason... Uh, are not always obvious. And we want to ask ourselves, why? Why did they do this? Why would they be so sadistic? What were their motives for such cruel and inhumane and insensitive treatment of the Son of God? I see three reasons why they treated Jesus this way and why they rejected Jesus. And each one of these reasons has a modern parallel today. If you're taking notes, write down, number one, blind ignorance. The first reason that they treated him like this and they rejected Jesus, and in their treatment it is a rejection, I might add. The first reason is blind ignorance. Unlike the Jewish leaders and the multitudes, the Roman soldiers were not familiar with Jesus. They didn't know him. As I told you before, they had probably never even heard of him until they went out to arrest him. In fact, we know that because when they went and they saw the band of disciples, they said, who is Jesus of Nazareth? They didn't even know who he was. So what they did to him was totally unrelated to any religious or personal animosity. I want you to see that. It was unrelated to religious or personal animosity, unlike the Jewish leaders and the crowd. Also, unlike Pilate, they had nothing to gain or lose politically by the way they treated Jesus. They could have just crucified him. They didn't have to play sport with him. Unlike Pilate, they had nothing to gain, nothing to lose. And they were on their own. In other words, what they did, they did out of ignorance. It was blind ignorance. They didn't know what they were doing. Now, they're responsible for it, but there were no ulterior motives in the sense that They didn't even know why they did what they did except that they were evil. That's for the same reason that many people reject Christ today. They laugh at Jesus Christ. They mock him. They mock us. They laugh at the gospel. They see Christ and they see Christianity as simply a joke because they are blind and they are ignorant of who Christ really is. I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians and see a a very important passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4. It's a marvelous passage of Scripture in which Paul says, we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. This will explain to you why some people reject Jesus. They have nothing personal against him. They were not raised in a religious home that would strike back at Christ because he exposes them for hypocrisy. Nothing like that. Watch. People that you know, and maybe some people here today, reject Jesus for the same reason. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-5. through 5. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, Paul writes, we do not lose heart. Meaning we don't lose heart even though we are persecuted. 
But we have renounced the hidden things because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. Paul says, I've explained the word of God clearly. I'm not a peddler of it. We've made it clear what our message is. We've not adulterated it. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now watch this, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There are some people who cannot see. And he explains in verse 4. In whose case the God of this world, meaning Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What he's saying is this, while the gospel message is very clear in its, in its focus on Jesus Christ and who he is, and Paul said we didn't adulterate it, we didn't peddle it, we taught it in truth, unbelieving people can't see it. They can't see it. Why? Because when they chose to reject the truth, Satan then blinded them to the truth so that they don't see it now. They chose to reject it, and Satan comes in and blinds them to the truth. And that is the plight of humanity. Humanity is blinded to the truth of the gospel. Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this two-part message on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by listeners like you. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. You can order a CD or cassette with this entire message about why people reject Christ by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.